Please check the description for a link to paper copies of the books featured and upcoming as well as links to other products that will help support this podcast. Thanks for being awesome. Part 1. Chapter 1. This is your world. This book is about you. Its only concern is with your life, your future, your world, your success. If you use the principles you are about to discover, you will obtain more of what you want in life because these principles are taken from the real world, the world in which you live. There is nothing mysterious about success or failure. What happens in this world can be understood because nothing happens without a reason. All that is necessary is to find the reasons why things happen. Did you ever notice that when you drop a glass on a hard floor it breaks? Of course, and the reason is obvious, there are physical laws at work the laws of gravity and force, you could no more expect to change these laws than you would expect to fly, so it is not surprising to you when a falling glass breaks, in the same way, there are laws of human nature, and these laws explain the actions of human beings, they take the mystery out of life and make it possible for you to understand, to plan, to succeed, in this book. We will look at the human beings around you so that you can understand them so that you will know the reasons why they act as they do so that you can act in ways that will inspire them to want to help you succeed. We will also look at you. We will find the talents you possess that other people will willingly pay for. We will establish a method by which you can start right where you are now to improve your life, to get more of what you want, to earn a larger income, to earn the respect of others, to begin moving toward the goals that have always escaped you. We will be talking mainly about the economic aspects of your life earning more money, moving ahead faster, obtaining the material things you want, and yet, secret of selling anything Harry Brown 13 at the same time, you will see that these principles apply to your personal life, to your relations with friends and family, everything, I am not going to tell you that you can improve your life if you just believe you can, success does not come from putting your trust in an idea that has not been proven to you. It comes instead from proving to yourself that only one course of action could possibly be the right way. In short, I am asking you to think. I am not asking you to let me do your thinking for you. I am asking you to use your own mind. If this seems too hard or too much for you, it is only because you've never tried. I'm not going to tell you you can do it. I'm going to prove it to you right now. Are you ready to find out if you are capable of a more successful life? All you need to do to find out is to read the next seven chapters none of which will be harder to understand than what you've already read. Read these chapters straight through from chapter 1 to chapter 7. Then stop and see if you understand yourself and the people around you much more clearly than you did before. See if you now have a much better understanding of why some individuals succeed and others don't. Then read the remaining chapters, and ask yourself if it is possible that you can be one of those who succeed now that you know how it happens. You have only one life, and no one else will live it for you. Shouldn't you take the time right now to figure out what that life is all about? Isn't it time to stop the daily merry-go-round long enough to determine who you are and where you're going and how you intend to get there? Isn't your future worth it? Secret of Selling Anything Harry Brown 14 Where Do We Begin? Chapter 2 The Story of Life We begin with the only person you can be sure of, yourself. Perhaps you have felt at times that you don't even fully understand yourself. That's not surprising, most individuals feel that way at times. And yet, you actually know far more about yourself than you may realize. Let's take that knowledge, organize it properly, and use it. First, have you ever noticed that there are some foods you enjoy eating and some that you don't enjoy? Of course you have what a foolish question. But now ask yourself a second question, why do you enjoy some food more than others? Again, 
foolish question because some taste better than others, but how do you know that one tastes better than others, how do you judge what tastes best, and why doesn't everyone else always agree with your decision, in fact, isn't this true about everything you enjoy in life, some things are good and some are bad and yet there doesn't seem to be any general agreement among people as to which are which, you enjoy some things very much, yet others may not like them at all, what is it that tells you that something is good, it is your mind, of course, but it is a special way of telling you, when you enjoy something, you experience a feeling of well-being, and when something displeases you, you get a feeling of discomfort, secret of selling anything Harry Brown 15 this vague, hard to define feeling of well-being is the most important thing in your life, it tells you what you like and what you don't like, and it thereby directs your actions and your decisions, perhaps biologists can explain how this feeling is created physically by the brain, but it really isn't important to know how this happens, it takes place, you know it does, you've experienced it, and you've experienced its opposite, but what is this feeling? for want of a better word, we call it happiness, let's define it precisely, so that you'll know exactly what I mean by it when I use the word, happiness is the mental feeling of well-being, happiness is not a warm blanket or a good movie or a delicious dinner, happiness is the feeling of well-being you receive inside yourself and that may come from a warm blanket or a good movie or a delicious dinner, and when you stop to think about it, you realize that everything you do is for the purpose of bringing about happiness, when you do anything, you are expecting, or hoping, that it will bring you that feeling of well-being we call happiness, or you are simply trying to avoid the feeling of discomfort we call unhappiness, have you ever thought about that, every act you've ever taken has been for the purpose of giving you happiness, now there certainly must be exceptions to such a statement, for example, you might say, just the other day, I did a good deed for a friend, and my object was his happiness, not mine, isn't that an exception not when you think it out, Go back and re-examine your own actions, if he enjoyed the deed, didn't that give you that feeling of well-being, and if, for some reason, the deed was not enjoyed, didn't you find yourself deprived of that feeling of well-being, and, once having seen the opportunity to perform this deed, isn't it true that you would have felt uncomfortable thereafter if you had not performed the deed, this is what happens every time you act, you are, consciously or unconsciously, seeking the feeling of well-being we call happiness. It is that feeling, secret of selling anything Harry Brown 16 or lack of it, that tells you whether or not you enjoy something, it tells you which foods taste good and which friends you enjoy being with, the hope for happiness motivates your every decision, some decisions are made to bring a certain amount of happiness to you right now, others are made with a long term objective in mind, you may even put up with a certain unhappiness in the immediate future but only because you expect that this investment will bring you much greater happiness in the long run, now, of what value is this brief self-examination, plenty, because by understanding your own happiness-seeking nature, you understand other people too, others are also seeking happiness, each individual you meet in life is making his decisions in order to bring about happiness in his life, in fact, this is our first law of human nature, all individuals seek happiness, early in life, each human being comes to recognize that feeling of well-being we call happiness. He realizes that there are times when he feels comfortable and times when he feels uncomfortable. He notices that there are certain acts and conditions that give him the feeling of well-being and other acts and conditions that cause him discomfort, and so he directs his life toward establishing the conditions that give him well-being. He, too, distinguishes between foods that taste good and foods that taste bad just as you do. In other ways, he senses the difference between situations that create happiness and those that bring unhappiness. 
He knows that he feels better when his bills are all paid and he has $50 in his pocket better than when he has no money at all. He knows which individuals he enjoys being with and which make him feel uncomfortable so he moves toward those he enjoys. But is every act aimed at happiness for the individual? What about the man who gives up a million dollar fortune to become a degenerate firm? Is he seeking happiness? Of course. Perhaps he can't stand the responsibility of having a million dollars and feels he will find happiness in the carefree life of a bum, but, whatever his reasons, he expects to find happiness at the end of his act. Secret of selling anything Harry Brown 17 It is impossible for our minds to conceive of a reason for any individual's actions except that he thinks it will bring him happiness. He scratches his ear to relieve a discomfort of an itch. He chooses a job in terms of what he feels will bring him the greatest overall happiness. He may expect that to come from the money he'll earn, from the approval of his wife, or from a lack of pressure in his work. One individual may give up his life for another because he feels that living without that other person will bring only unhappiness. Not every act brings happiness. Individuals make mistakes, but every act is aimed at bringing happiness. Each life is different. All individuals have one common characteristic. Each one seeks happiness. Beyond that, every individual is different. Each has lived a different life, each has a different background, a different level of knowledge, so each person will experience happiness in different ways. For example, one man may find happiness in reading good books, another enjoys providing happiness for others or possibly even providing unhappiness for others. For some men, spending a million dollars would be sheer ecstasy while other men find that it is the earning of a million dollars that provides happiness. Some individuals live a life of self-denial here on earth anticipating a reward of eternal happiness in the kingdom of heaven. What does all this mean? It simply means that happiness is relative. Each individual will have a different set of values. Each will look for, and obtain, happiness in a different way. What gives one person a feeling of well-being may have no effect whatsoever upon another or may even create extreme discomfort. Each person chooses for himself what he wants in life. If someone does something that seems to you to have no value, it's only that he has made a choice in accordance with what he wants not with what you want. Secret of selling anything Harry Brown 18 and this is our second law of human nature, a very important one, happiness is relative, there is no single thing that would bring happiness to all people, the happiness an object will bring can only be determined by each individual separately. This gives us two specific laws of human nature to keep in mind, all individuals seek happiness and happiness is relative, but there is one more law we must recognize before we proceed further, each individual has only a limited amount of time, energy, knowledge or property, these are his resources and there is really a shortage of each of them, an individual has only so many years to live, he must do all he wants to do in life within those years, he has only so many hours in the day to use to obtain what he wants and he has only a certain amount of energy and knowledge, he uses his time, energy and knowledge to create property or he trades his time and energy to others for the property they give him, his property consists of his possessions and the money he can use to buy other possessions, so his time, energy and property his resources are always limited, and yet he can think of enough enjoyable things to fill up many lifetimes. He knows that he can never work hard enough to earn them all, nor will he live long enough to have them all. This means he must choose. He must choose between the various alternatives he can see in order to make the most of the time and energy he does have. He chooses constantly in order to bring as much happiness as possible, while using up as little time and energy as possible. Does this mean that everyone is lazy? No, not in the sense that word is generally used. 
it only means that no one has enough time and energy to do everything he would like to do, so he chooses the courses of action that will use up as little time and energy as possible, this, then, is our third law of human nature, resources are limited, and since they are, a man will use his resources in ways that will bring him the most happiness, secret of selling anything Harry Brown 19 in short, he chooses, and because he must choose, he has values. A value is simply the amount of happiness an individual expects will come from an object or an idea. One thing is of greater value than another because the individual believes he will obtain more happiness from the one than the other. He automatically values some things more than others because he can't have all of them. Every individual has values, but each individual's values are different from those of other people. In fact, it is often hard to understand the values of other people. The man who appears to take no interest in anything still has values. He values what we would think of as boredom more than exercising mental and physical energy to obtain other things. This, then, is the story of life, each individual seeks happiness. His concept of what will bring him happiness will differ from that of every other human being, happiness will be relative to him. His resources, time, energy, knowledge and property, are limited, so he must choose constantly between the many alternative courses of action he sees, and he does this by placing values on everything he sees. These values led him to prefer one thing more than another. Now take another look at the people around you. Do they take on a new light and view of what we've just recognized? Each one of these human beings is seeking his own happiness and he is doing it in a way that is uniquely his own. He seeks to live his life as he wants it. He is not living for you or for me but for himself. But they are the keys to a higher income for you, better relations with your friends, your family, your business associates. Let's look further and see what this means in your life, secret of selling anything Harry Brown 20 Chapter 3 How men profit if you lived on a desert island by yourself, the secret of success would be pretty obvious, use your limited resources in ways that will bring you the most happiness, but here in civilization you are constantly involved with other people, this means you must take into consideration what other people will do for you, to you, with you, against you, because of you, in spite of you, etc. You might think that you are very self-sufficient, but look around you right now at all of the things you are enjoying. How many of them did you make completely by yourself? Probably none of them. You obtain things in exchange from other people, and this is why you must be concerned with their actions and desires. So let us identify what happens in the interaction between two human beings. The first thing to do is to recognize the concept of profit. What is profit? Profit is the increase in happiness by replacing one situation with another. This identifies the nature of profit the giving up of one thing for something that provides greater happiness. An individual may discover a new way of doing something that gives him more happiness than he received from the old way, so he gives up the old way and adopts the new way because he values the new way more, he profits, or he may make an exchange with another person, in which he will give up one thing for something else he values more. The essential nature of profit is the increase or the surplus. One value is given up in exchange for a greater value. We see this clearly in a business. The secret of selling anything Harry Brown 21 businessman pays out expenses in exchange for the sales revenue he receives. If he takes in more than he paid out, we say he has made a profit and increase in what will bring him happiness. This applies in the same way to each individual in each situation. He is attempting to trade some of his limited resources for something that will give him more happiness. If he has acted wisely he succeeds, if not, he loses in which case, he will try to be more efficient next time. 
Let's look at the different ways in which an individual may profit. When a car salesman exchanges a new car for $3,000 he profits because he values the $3,000 more than the car. He would rather have the $3,000 than the car, so he willingly makes the exchange. But at the same time, when a car buyer exchanges $3,000 for a new car, he profits too because he values the car more than the $3,000. He would rather have the car than the $3,000, so he willingly gives up the money for the car. Of course, he'd probably prefer to have both the $3,000 and the car, but his resources are limited, he can only have one or the other, so he chooses in accordance with his values, and he decides he will obtain more happiness from having the car than from keeping the $3,000 in the bank or spending it on anything else, he profits by using his limited resources to increase his happiness, in the same way, you profit when you give up time and energy in exchange for your income, you value the money you earn, and what you will use it for, more than anything else you could obtain from the time and energy. A housewife profits when she receives a product of greater value in her eyes, than the price she must pay for it. In each of these cases, the individual has acted to increase his own happiness by giving up something of greater value. Even the individual who loafs is profiting in terms of his values. He gives up the money he could be earning because he values leisure more. So profit can come in many different ways, through money, knowledge, contentment, spiritual understanding, leisure, etc. In each case, it is what increases the individual's happiness. In the last chapter, we saw that each individual uses his limited resources in ways aimed at bringing maximum happiness as he understands what will bring him. Secret of selling anything Harry Brown 22 Happiness Now, with our definition of profit as an increase in happiness, we can sum up all of it in one simple sentence. All individuals seek profit of one kind or another doubt which means that each individual is seeking to increase his own happiness in whatever way he believes he can. This, again, is a recognition of the fact that each human being is doing what he wants to do with his own limited resources. This doesn't mean that the individual can't imagine a happier life for himself, but in terms of the resources he has, and the alternatives available to him, he is doing what he wants to do. For one man, this may mean working to earn a million dollars and then spending it lavishly. For another man, it may be to satisfy his humanitarian desires by doing good work for others. But, in any case, it is what the individual wants to do by his own standards. Even if an individual likes to pose as a martyr, one who is sacrificing for others, he is still doing that because he wants to. In fact, just prevent him from sacrificing and see how unhappy that makes him. Each individual is doing what he wants to do. The first step in trying to get along with other people is to realize that each is doing what he wants to do. Examine his actions, uncover the motives for his acts, find out why he wants to do as he does. And, as we'll see further along, this will give you the opportunity to earn his respect and cooperation to an extent that others can never obtain. Two people seeking profit since you are not alone in this world, it is obvious that other people as well as you are seeking their own profits. That creates problems, doesn't it? Won't the two of you run into each other, get into each other's way, create a dog-eat-dog -dog battle? There's an old saying that one man's gain must be another man's loss. Many people take that old adage for granted as the whole truth, and yet, it is totally false. Why? Secret of selling anything Harry Brown 23 because happiness is relative, and what pleases one person is not necessarily going to please the next person. This means that two individuals with different values can arrange an exchange between them that will satisfy both of them, neither has to triumph over the other one, both can gain, for example, 
whistle that the car buyer profits just as much as the car salesman, each has given up something of one value for something he considers to be of greater value, neither one had to be sacrificed for the other, suppose, though, that happiness were not relative that everyone had exactly the same values, obviously, they could not exchange under those conditions, for one of them would with what both of them value the most, and the other would with what both of them value the least. The only way any change could take place would be for one of the two to steal from the other one, but, happily, life is not that way, everyone has different values, this means that as long as two individuals voluntarily enter an exchange together, both can profit, because happiness is relative, mutually profitable exchanges are possible, both the car buyer and the car salesman profit when they exchange because each has increased his happiness, according to his own standards. You can't really call this an equal exchange, for neither of the two parties thought of it as an equal exchange, each one considered it to be an unequal exchange in his favor, each one gave up one thing for something of greater value not something of equal value, each one profits, and this points out the fact that there are at least two profits in every exchange, sometimes there are more than two either because there are more than two parties or because other individuals will benefit indirectly, but there are always at least two profits in every sale. What about a disaster sale? Suppose the car dealer paid $3,500 originally for the car, tried to sell it at $4,000 and now has marked the price down to $3,000. Can we say that he profited when the car is sold for $3,000? Of course, he has decided it would be of greater value to him to sell the car at less than what it cost him originally rather than keep the car forever with a higher price tag on it. Naturally, he would have preferred to sell it for $4,000, but he knows now that he can't. In fact, he would have preferred to sell it for $10,000, but he knows he can't do that either. Secret of selling anything Harry Brown 24 He must now decide between 1. Selling it at $3,000 or 2. Keeping it on the lot with an unrealistic price tag on it. He willingly gives up the second alternative because he values the first more. So if he succeeds in selling it at $3,000, he profits in terms of his present values. Selling it will make him happier than keeping it. Again, we must recognize that both the car buyer and the car seller are doing what they want to do within the range of alternatives available to them. No matter what either might say later, nor what others might say, each of them is doing what he wants to do. The car buyer may dream of buying luxury cars for $100 a piece and the car salesman may wish to sell cars at $10,000 each. But in the terms of what is possible, each is doing what he wants to do. This is vitally important to keep in mind. For there is one basic misconception at the root of all mistakes made in analyzing human nature, and that is to believe that an individual is not doing what he wants to do, this is vitally important to keep in mind, this is the universal fallacy which means the misconception that is always at the root of every mistake, the universal fallacy is the belief that an individual would willingly accept something unprofitable to himself, no individual will give up some of his own resources for something he values less, when you think he will, you're headed for failure. He may very well make an exchange that you would never make but he will not willingly make an exchange that will lower his values. For example, you observe a man buying an item in a store for $2. You know that he can buy the same item at another store for only $1. Is he doing something unprofitable to himself? Of course not. Perhaps he prefers the convenience of this store or the service he receives here or he admires the pretty sales pearl. Whatever his reason, it is strong enough to make him quite willing to give up an extra dollar for the value he received here value which he doesn't he get at the other store. To believe that this man is intentionally doing something unprofitable to himself is to practice the universal fallacy. 
and it's not hard to do, you see examples of it every day, some are obvious, others are very subtle, secret of selling anything Harry Brown 25 for example, a discourteous sales clerk practices the universal fallacy believing that customers will continue to come to the store, despite the discourtesy that makes it unprofitable for people to do so. A very subtle example of the universal fallacy is this kind of statement which you hear often, in one form or another, if the government didn't regulate the economy, General Motors would double its prices, where's the fallacy in this statement? It is, of course, in the belief that the customer would pay anything that General Motors asked no matter how unprofitable to the customer, it assumes that GM could price Chevrolets at $6,000 and continue to sell as many as it does today, and this, of course, just isn't true, the customer's resources are limited, so he has to give up something in order to get his Chevrolet, and beyond a certain price, he has to give up more than the car is worth to him, at that point, he doesn't buy no matter how strongly GM might try to justify its price increase. A little further along, we'll see how this universal fallacy is the cause of failure, but for now, let's simply resolve to never make the mistake of thinking that people somehow willingly do other than what they want to do, such a thing is not possible, you can never abolish the profit-seeking nature of human beings, it always exists. Each individual wants to live his own life according to his values whatever they may be, not someone else's. Even if you physically block his way, you do not stop him from seeking happiness, you only make it more difficult for him. Each individual will do what he wants to do, and with that realization, we can proceed to what you have to do to get what you want. Secret of Selling Anything Harry Brown 26 Chapter 4 How Men Succeed If Someone Has Something You Think Would Profit You how do you go about getting it? What do you have to do to profit in an exchange? Let's take some examples in order to find out. Suppose someone has a piece of property you'd like to own. How do you get it from him? We will leave the possibility of stealing to a later chapter and consider only voluntary exchanges. That leaves us with only one method. You must offer the owner something in exchange that he values more than the property. If you want to work for a particular employer, how do you get the job? by offering time and effort and talent that are of greater value to the employer than the money he will have to pay you, and how would you go about getting someone you like to spend some of his time with you, obviously, you'll have to make the idea of spending time with you more attractive to that person than any of the other alternatives he'll have to give up, lastly, if you're a businessman, how do you make sales, naturally, you have to offer the customer something he wants more than the money you're asking him to give up, what do all four of these cases have in common? In each one, you've had to offer someone else something that is in his self-interest a method by which he can profit, otherwise, he will not agree to the exchange, why not, because no one has to buy, the individual will buy only if he wants to, and he'll want it if it is profitable to him, if the exchange will be profitable to you, but not to him, there will be no exchange, secret of selling anything Harry Brown 27 to get something, you have to give up something in exchange that is wanted or needed by the other person. It has to be of greater value to him than the object you are asking him to give up. So how, then, do you obtain profit in an exchange? Profit is a reward for satisfying the desire of someone else. If you could produce everything you want in this world all by yourself, you'd have no reason to satisfy others. But since there are things you desire, but can't produce, you are in the position of having to satisfy others in order to obtain what you want. In fact, you personally produce far less than 1% of all the things you want in life, the rest must be obtained in exchange from others, so you are dependent upon this need to satisfy the desires of others in order to get what you want, you're going to have to make other people happy in order to obtain the things that will make you happy, 
Obvious, yes but notice how many people around you overlook this simple fact. Most people are indifferent to the needs and desires of others failing to recognize that those desires are their own stepping stones to success. And we are laying here the first important building block in the solid, certain foundation we are creating for seeking success in the real world. Now let's extend this to its logical conclusion. If profit is a reward for satisfying the desires of others, then the more you satisfy those desires, the more you will profit. The extent of your own profit depends upon your ability to satisfy the needs and desires of others. The more efficient you are in satisfying those desires, the bigger your own profits will be. This standard of measurement applies to your life no matter what the nature of the profit you seek whether or not you choose to recognize it. You are continually in the position of having to satisfy others in order to get what you want whether you are buying or selling, employer or employee, lender or borrower, parent or child, lover or friend. F. Lee Roy Hill, a successful manufacturer, summed up monetary profits in this way. Profits are a measure of the service you render. Secret of selling anything Harry Brown 28 This means your balance sheet is an indication of how much you have served others in terms of their standards, their values, their desires. Don't ever forget that happiness is relative. Your idea of what's good for someone else may not be shared in the slightest by that someone. Understand, too, that I am not saying you ought to be considerate of others or that it is ethical to make people happy. It is a simple fact of life that if you do not make people happy, they aren't going to do business with you on any basis. You don't have to satisfy the desires of other individuals. Then again, neither do you have to be a success, nor do you even have to eat unless, of course, you want to survive. Secret of Selling Anything Harry Brown 29 Chapter 5 Who Must You Please? We have begun the quest for success by recognizing certain facts of life about the real world in which we live. We saw that each individual is pursuing happiness the feeling of well-being, that each individual's concept of what will bring him happiness is different, and that the resources available to him are limited. Because resources are limited, the individual must place values on objects and choose between them. He then profits by giving up something of one value for something else of greater value to him. And since he will only enter exchanges in which he believes he will profit, each exchange contains two profits. You obtain your profit in return for providing profits to others for having satisfied their needs and desires. The more efficient you are in satisfying the desires of others, the more profit you will make. Before we can formulate a specific rule for success, we must continue looking at the world around us, recognizing the nature of life, for any secret of success must be based upon an understanding of the way the real world is. So now let's look at how all of the various individual exchanges add up to what we call the marketplace or, more simply, the market, and as we view the actions of many people, let us keep in mind that we are still talking about the actions of individual human beings each with his own life and his own relative view of happiness. It is very easy to fall into the trap of talking about society as if it were one great being with its own mind, its own values, and its own happiness-seeking nature, but society is nothing of the sort. Society has no mind, no heart, no profit motive, society is simply a group of individual human beings, and each of those human beings has his own mind, his own values, and individuals within a given society will differ on many, many matters happiness being relative, society is a secret of selling anything Harry Brown 30 words used to describe a gathering of various individuals who have one thing in common, usually they live in the same general area. There is nothing greater in this world than the individual, for only individuals can think and act. Groups are only a number of individuals who exchange with one another. 
Therefore, we must never confuse ourselves by thinking in terms of group actions when we really mean the actions of the individuals within that group, the purpose of it all as we look mentally at this huge gathering of individuals in the marketplace buying, selling, producing, etc. We seem to see nothing but chaos, and we wonder if there is any purpose to it. How do you make sense out of it? It is easy to understand the fact that one individual is seeking his own happiness, and he works and exchanges in ways that obtain for him the things he feels will bring him happiness, and, actually, that is what everyone in the marketplace is doing simply pursuing his own happiness, but individuals enter the marketplace into different roles as consumer and producer, let's understand the differences between the two roles, consumption is the act of using a product or service for the happiness it brings you directly, you consume a product by using it, in the process you use it up, you are a consumer of food, of automobiles, of music, of recreation, of leisure, of many things that bring you happiness. Production is the performance of a service that will make it possible to have something to consume. You may perform that service for yourself or for others. You are a producer when you work for a company, when you sell products, when you make a sandwich, when you mow someone's lawn, when you repair something. All of these acts are designed to provide something for someone's consumption. In short, production is the act of making something. Consumption is the act of using and enjoying it. Some products are not made to be consumed, however, they are capital goods which are products or services that make it possible to produce other things. Tools are capital goods, for example, consumer goods are items we use and enjoy for their own sake, such as food, recreation, clothes, etc., but even capital goods are only produced to make it easier to produce consumer goods. Secret of selling anything Harry Brown 31 since happiness is the object. The only reason anyone ever produces anything is in order to make it possible to have something to consume. Consumption, not production, is always the purpose. You never produce merely for the sake of producing. You produce in order to have the consumption benefits of the items produced. If you like to make things without using them, then recognize that you are producing for the enjoyment this gives you a form of consumption. If we lived in paradise, we would not have to produce anything. All we do is consume whatever we wanted. But since we are living in the real world, we are required to produce in order to have anything to consume. Everyone is a consumer, practically all of us are producers, also, but our ultimate decisions are made as consumers what is it we want in order to be happy. As consumers we give up resources to producers in order to get what they produce, so producers spend their time trying to provide the items that consumers want. And that's what's going on in that big complicated thing we call the marketplace. Each individual is acting in his role as producer to provide something of value to consumers in exchange for the prices they are willing to pay. Even long, involved production processes are just methods that producers have discovered to provide the best value to the consumers in order to make greater profits. We can understand this even better if we take a little journey. The desert island let's suppose you were stranded on a desert island, with no other individuals with whom to exchange, certain facts of life would be much clearer to you, you would know, for example, that you'll only be able to consume what you first produce, and you'd know that your resources are limited, there is only so much you can do with your limited time, energy and knowledge so you must choose, you'd like to go swimming, but you know that you must take the time to arrange shelter for yourself and to find food and take care of your most urgent needs. So you automatically create a value scale for yourself consciously or unconsciously. 
the most important things come first and so on down the list, secret of selling anything Harry Brown 32 you may eventually go swimming, but only after you are sure that it will not be at the expense of having food and shelter, you develop a routine for yourself which includes your daily activity and your plans for the future, we call this routine your profit motive the method by which you intend to obtain your happiness. And you know that if some new activity occurs to you, you can only add it to your routine by giving up something else, even if that something else is leisure, so anything new must be of greater value than something you're already doing, for you will only change your routine in order to get something of greater value to you, that's the concept of profit at work again, you are continually choosing making value judgments choosing between the alternatives available to you, and, of course, the object is always to make your life as happy as possible to satisfy your own values. Now let's suppose that there is another person on the island with you. Each of you has his own property and each of you is producing for yourself what you want to consume. But pretty soon you find you are a better producer of some things and he is a better producer of other things. And, because of your differing values, you can make exchanges between you that will improve the position of each of you. You come to the point where you say, I'll give you this in exchange for that, and what you're offering is the price you're willing to pay to get what you want, so you make exchanges of some of your surpluses, but you will still choose in each exchange, you will not automatically give up what you have produced simply because he wants to trade, you will evaluate what he offers in terms of what you will have to give up in order to get it, in the process, then, each of you will decide to spend time producing items that the other person values highly. You won't spend time producing items for exchange that the other person doesn't value much because you would get very little in exchange for your efforts, no matter how long it took you to produce the products involved, and in this isolated situation we can see an important point, it is not how long you work at some task that determines what you'll receive for it in exchange, it is the value someone else places upon the product or service that determines what it is worth in exchange. Secret of selling anything Harry Brown 33 Your costs are not important to the other person, he only cares about the value of the product to himself, what he'll pay to get your service is based solely on the value he places upon the object, and so each of you will, by trial and error, move toward production of that which the other values the highest, naturally, for your own consumption, you will produce what you value most, considering the effort involved, meanwhile, back at civilization, the same principles are at work. Here, however, each of us produces practically nothing for his own consumption, instead, each person specializes in a certain function and trades the product of his effort for the things he wants, this is called the specialization of labor as each person specializes and becomes efficient at functions that others value highly, as a result, each of us has more than if each was producing solely for his own consumption, but here the desert island principles are still at work, first, all resources are limited. You are still limited by the lifespan, the hours in the day, the efforts you can expend, the amount of your knowledge, and so you choose constantly choosing between the various alternatives available to you, and in the same way that your choices help determine what your fellow man would produce on the desert island, so will your choices direct production here in civilization, as you demonstrate what you are willing to give up for the things you want, you are actually steering production into certain channels, geared toward your consumption. Producers will only spend their time producing items they think will bring a profitable price in the marketplace, it is the consumer who makes the ultimate decisions as to what will be produced, for it is the consumer who will eventually use the products made and he will only pay for what he wants, don't forget your role as producer, anytime you offer someone else something in the marketplace, you are a producer, you may be offering a service, 
friendship, love or can open us, you can be a manufacturer, a retailer, a wage earner, a salesman or even a housewife who makes her husband's work easier, in any of these capacities, you are acting as a producer, you do not have to deal directly with the consumer who will use the service you provide, in fact, you may help to make something that in turn will make, secret of selling anything Harry Brown 34 something else that will help to make a product that the consumer will buy. This indirect method of production does not change anything, no matter how long the production line, there is a consumer down at the end of it who is the object of the whole process, he is the one being asked to pay for all of the production, so it is his approval that counts, so everything you do as a producer must be aimed at pleasing the ultimate consumer, for if he doesn't buy, you will not receive anything for your efforts for very long, it is not how much time, energy or talent you put into your service, it is the value the consumer places upon it that matters, for he will only pay for it to the extent that he values it. The consumer, the one who will use what you are offering, is the man you must please, expressing consumer desires. If your success depends upon satisfying the desires of consumers, then it is important to be able to interpret those desires, for people want many things but because they live in the real world, not utopia, they will not get everything they want with their limited resources. The consumer will choose and you must understand how he expresses his choices. He has to choose between playing golf and getting the lawn mode, between a new yacht and three meals a day, between a new car and more leisure time. He must choose constantly. But how does he express his decision? You can ask an individual if he would like to have a new yacht, for instance, and he will probably say, of course but does that mean he is a prospect for a new yacht? Not necessarily because he may have many other demands for which he urgently needs his limited resources. He may even make enough money in one year to buy a yacht, but he's not willing to give up eating and driving and other needs in order to buy the yacht. And so we come upon a factor that can cause confusion, the degree of desire. He wants a yacht, but how much does he want a yacht? And just how can you compare his desire for a yacht with other objects? Secret of selling anything Harry Brown 35 How do you measure the degree of desire? The individual expresses the degree of desire for an object in the price he is willing to pay. Now we have translated what was a vague desire into a very tangible factor that can be seen, considered and acted upon. For example, suppose the consumer decides he needs a new coat. Because of more urgent needs, he has decided he can only spend $30. If the coat is priced at $35, he will not buy. Adequate food is more important for the extra $5 than a new coat and he expresses this through the price he is willing to pay. Another dessert island principle must be recognized. Anything the consumer adds to his routine must be at the expense of something else that will be given up. So if you look at another individual and say, my goodness, that man really ought to own a coat. Just remember that the only way he can obtain that coat is to give up something he possesses now and has already considered to be of greater value to him than owning a coat. If you were to pass a law requiring everyone to own a coat, for instance, you would simply be forcing him to give up something he values more than a coat. You would not be improving his situation. In his eyes, you would be lowering his standard of living. This same principle applies in personal relations. If you want to please people, you cannot impose your own values upon them. You first want to know what it is that will please them the most, and, again each individual expresses the degree of desire for an object in the price he is willing to pay in time, energy and devotion. So an individual tells you what pleases him most when he shows you how much of his resources he is willing to give up in order to get various things. Later in this book, we will look at methods for uncovering the prices that individual will pay to get the things they want. For now, however, 
Let's recognize that each individual is already using his resources in ways that, to his knowledge, will bring him the maximum happiness possible, that may include more leisure and less material goods than others choose, for example but it's what he wants to do, he may not have carefully thought out his plans and values, but that, too, is only because he prefers to live his life that way, secret of selling anything Harry Brown 36 so when you approach any individual, make sure you realize that he will do what he wants to do, don't laugh at his choices, investigate them to better understand what he's trying to accomplish, if you wish to trade, you will have to offer the person something he wants more than what he has already, it's his resources you are seeking, he will control their use, you will have to be in tune with his desires or there will be no exchange, the consumer is the object of the whole process, and he chooses in terms that are meaningful to him, not to you, you will succeed only as you find ways to satisfy him, secret of selling anything Harry Brown 37 chapter 6 what are you selling, in daily conversation, we refer to the price of a book or we say that someone is selling automobiles, this is a convenient way of referring to what is taking place, but it is important to success to understand exactly what is being bought and sold, for all we ever exchange between us is human services, that's right when people refer to the price of steel, they are really referring to the sum total of the prices of various human services that go into producing steel, stop and think about it, did you ever give money to a piece of steel, or to a building, or to a plot of land, of course not, every payment you've ever made has been to a human being, when you purchase a product in a store, what are you paying for, obviously, you are paying for the happiness you seek, but the price you pay is the sum total of the prices of all the human services that went into the production and distribution of that product. The retailer, for instance, receives part of the price as his reward for getting the product to you. Without his service, there would have been no way to get the product in your hands. He has gone to the trouble to keep a supply on hand locally where you can go and look at it and decide to buy it. He also pays part of what he receives to his employees because he has decided it is more profitable to pay for their services than to go without them. At the same time, he depends upon the wholesaler to keep a handy inventory of this and other products available, and so the retailer pays part of the price he receives to the wholesaler for providing that service. If he thought he could get along without the wholesaler, he'd perform that function for himself and keep that part of the price. Secret of selling anything Harry Brown 38 The manufacturer also receives a share of the price. He, of course, promptly passes on part of it to the various individuals whose services helped produce the product. He also pays part of the price to the suppliers who provide him with parts and materials. But those suppliers merely redistribute most of their shares, just as the manufacturer did. Finally, you get down to the cost of materials the metals or other natural resources from which the products are made. But does this mean that part of the price of the product then goes to a piece of iron? Of course not. That part of the price goes to the human beings who brought the iron from the ground, processed it, and took it to the manufacturer. And that also includes the individual who was smart enough to realize that it might be useful to go to the trouble to bring the resource out of the ground. Even rent is a price paid to a human being for the privilege of using his land. What about monetary profits? Are they any different? Number. Profit to the investor means payment to him for being willing to give up his purchases and allow someone else to use his money. It is also payment for the risk he takes, his money might not be returned to him. This means that the investor also serves as a kind of evaluator, judging in advance the merit of the enterprise. He won't allow his money to be used unless he's satisfied the enterprise will succeed. So the payment to him includes payment for his judgment, and, 
2. There is the entrepreneur, he is the man who starts an enterprise and often manages it, 2. He receives part of the purchase price, he is being paid for his service in bringing together all of the other human services in a unique way for the purpose of providing a specific service to you. The entrepreneur is basically a calculator, he is rewarded for his ability to figure out what you'll want, when you'll want it, and how much you're willing to pay to get it. If he succeeds, it is because he has made available for you something you want rather than offering you something you don't want. Every time you write a check or pay cash for anything, the money you pay will eventually be split up among human beings. All we ever exchange between us are human services and products created by human services. This means that everyone in the marketplace is in the same position whether he is a wage earner, entrepreneur, investor, landlord, salesman, housewife. Each is offering his time, energy and talent toward making something available for. Secret of selling anything Harry Brown 39 Consumption so his reward will be determined by the importance of his service in providing the consumer with what he wants. The consumer is the ultimate judge, along the way to the consumer, others will evaluate your ability to help them offer something to the consumer that will be profitable. It doesn't matter what your job may be movie star, Wall Street financier, factory worker, bookkeeper, typist you will be rewarded only as you provide something that the consumer wants and is willing to pay for. So the price of your service is going to depend upon one factor alone the value others place upon it. There's no way to avoid this, just as every payment you make goes eventually to a human being, it is also true that every payment you receive comes from a human being, and that human being, whoever he may be, is seeking happiness his happiness and will look at you only in terms of the happiness you may help him obtain. If you decide that your services are worth more than others are willing to pay for them, the others will find a way to get along without you. You are not indispensable to the process. You will only be necessary to any arrangement so long as the price you ask is in harmony with the profit motives of every other individual involved. No one ever has to buy. An individual will only buy when he considers what he will receive to be of greater value than what he will give up. Each person continually evaluates the alternatives available to him. He doesn't have to accept anyone else's opinion. He keeps choosing choosing how to make the most of his limited resources. Choosing means placing relative values on everything he sees on objects, on services and on people. He will associate with those individuals who enhance his happiness. He will buy from those individuals who offer him a way to increase his happiness. And he will continually evaluate all alternatives to these courses of action. And it is so easy to overlook the simple fact that everyone you deal with is evaluating you. Everyone is evaluating your ability to help him get what he wants. Look about you at your friends, your family, your employer, your business associates, your customers. Each of them is a world unto himself. Each is living his own life not for you or for society or for anything but his own happiness. Secret of selling anything Harry Brown 40 You play a part in each of these lives only because you have in some way added to the happiness that each of these individuals enjoys, but at any time it becomes more profitable for any of these individuals to seek his happiness elsewhere, he will. Do you need these people? Of course you do. Better than 99% of all the things you want and enjoy in life can only be obtained with the cooperation of others, so you must satisfy the profit motives of others in terms of the values they assign if you want to get your happiness. Your success depends upon the value others place upon your services. This applies to everyone. No one ever gets so rich, so independent, or so situated that he is not subject to this economic law. It may seem that we are spending too much time labouring the obvious. But very few people really believe the obvious truths we are looking at, 
for they act continually in ways that attempt to flout these principles, they practice the universal fallacy ignoring the profit motives of others, and by tying down carefully the truth about the real world, we are now ready to spell out the precise, specific secret of success, secret of selling anything Harry Brown 41 Chapter 7 The secret of success we have seen the nature of the market the exchanges that take place between human beings, we have seen that the consumer is the object of the whole process. This is because the only reason we ever produce anything is in order to have things to consume to use and enjoy because of the happiness they provide, so the one who is meant to consume a particular item is the one who provides the ultimate judgment as to its worth, it is the consumer's values that count, he can't have everything so he expresses his relative values, his preferences, through the prices he's willing to pay, you may not be dealing directly with the consumer, for example, you may earn a wage from an employer who sells products to other businessmen who eventually meet the consumers, but the principle remains the same. These businessmen are trying to please the consumers at low costs to themselves in order to make profits for themselves, and they, like everyone else you deal with, are evaluating you. They are trying to determine if you are actually helping them provide the consumer with what he wants, and, if so, is the price you are asking for your services in line with what a consumer is willing to pay? Or is there another way to accomplish the same service for less than the amount you're requesting? In every case, your success depends upon the value others place upon your services. People only pay for what they want so you will succeed only if you are providing people with what they want. Secret of selling anything Harry Brown 42 It is surprising how few people have ever stopped to realize that. Many people say they realize it, but look at them. Do their actions indicate that they even care what other people want? In fact, it is amazing how many people try to practice the universal fallacy the belief that an individual would willingly do something unprofitable to himself. These people try to use other people, to take advantage of them, to get everything from them and give nothing in return, then they are surprised when people do not willingly associate with them. Other individuals conjure up pictures of bloated capitalists manipulating stocks, products and human beings to suit their own purposes. These are fantasies because other individuals do not continue to participate when the manipulators are the only ones who profit. No one willingly does something unless he's decided it is his most profitable alternative. That goes for you and for everyone else in this world. Unless you can demonstrate to others that your service is in their self-interest, they are not going to give up their resources to you. If there were no shortage of human resources in this world, consumers could buy everything and have everything they wanted, then there would be no point in wondering how to succeed, but there is a very definite shortage in that desires always far outrun resources, this, too, is something many people either ignore or try to challenge, but it is true, desires will always outrun resources, let's prove this, take a few minutes to make up a list of all the things you would like to have that you don't now possess, as you start on the list, you will probably notice that it will take quite some time to complete it, for after all, if you're making a list of things you would like to have, you could include many thousands of things. As a matter of fact, you'll soon come to the realization that you could never work enough hours in your entire lifetime to earn the resources to obtain everything on your list. You will never be able to satisfy all of your desires. This is why you must discriminate choose between these desires in terms of the resources you do have. Everyone in this world is in the same position his desires outrun his resources. Even the world's wealthiest individual does not have enough resources, time, energy, knowledge and property, to do everything he wants to do. Secret of selling anything Harry Brown 43 so everyone is choosing. 
This means that a product will not automatically sell just because someone has taken the time to produce it. Every item produced must fit into the value scales of consumers and be the most urgent items on those value scales. This is why you will only succeed if you are providing people with what they want for their limited resources. So here is half of the secret of success. You will succeed if you are providing people with what they want. But that's only half of it. Many people who realize that much still fail. Many people produce products they think people would like. Many offer services they think people would willingly pay for. But they find out they were wrong. Why were they wrong? Why were they unable to tell what people wanted? To get the answer, let's go all the way back to the second chapter. There we saw that it isn't enough to recognize that all individuals seek happiness. We must also recognize that happiness is relative. Each person has a different concept of what will bring him happiness. There are billions of human beings in this world and every one of them has a different life to live. Each has his own background, level of knowledge, desires, values and standards. And the mistake that most individuals make is in using their own values to determine what other people will want when, in reality, those values may be vastly different from the values of the individuals who are expected to buy. It isn't what you want that determines what other individuals will buy from you it's what they want. And that answer can only come from them, not from you. The individual who succeeds will be the one who provides people with what they want. But to leave it at that will mean leaving your success or failure to the whims of blind luck. You will simply be guessing what others want, hoping you will accidentally be providing it. But just by using these principles, you can assure your success. There is such a thing as the secret of success. There is a way to take your life out of the realm of luck and control your own future. There is a method by which you can obtain the things you want in this world. Secret of selling anything. Harry Brown 44. All you have to do is to make it your business to find out what people want instead of assuming it, instead of telling them. The one rule that sums up the job to be done, the one formula that is fully in harmony with the real world, the secret of successes, find out what people want and help them get it. This is the way you separate yourself from mass of people who just get by. This is how you make sure that your services are always in demand. This is how you command a high price in the marketplace by making sure that what you're offering is what people really want. You do it by taking the trouble to find out what people want before you determine what you will offer. You calculate in advance. But you recognize the difference between true calculation and blind guessing. Because guessing means you just transfer your own values mentally to others. But calculation means you actually go out into the marketplace and find out what individuals want the most, how much they are willing to pay for it and then go to work to provide it. Ask yourself, how much do you know right now about the specific happiness-seeking profit motives of the individuals you are expecting to pay for your services, your employer, your customers? Have you taken the trouble to investigate their specific plans, their old maps for seeking happiness? If not, how do you know they will buy from you tomorrow morning what they bought from you yesterday? Are you willing to leave it all in the hands of luck? American history contains a few examples of individuals who just happened to be in the right place at the right time. They accidentally provided consumers with what they wanted and so they received great fortunes. But these accidental examples are so very few and far between. The odds against it happening to you are at least 10 million to 1. On the other hand, men like Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, John D. Rockefeller, Andrew Carnegie, and others who made great fortunes did not make them accidentally. These men understood how the market works and they did not intend to leave their futures to luck. They took the trouble to find out what people were willing to pay for and they based their decision on that and that alone. They never deceived themselves into secret of selling anything Harry Brown 45 thinking an individual might buy something he didn't really want. 
They never figured that they could always sell their mistakes. No, these men made it their business to find out what consumers wanted. The consumers then rewarded them greatly for making available the products they wanted, when they wanted them, at a price they were willing to pay. The men who bitterly envy them do so only because they are not willing to do what they did or do not even know what they did. Those who wish that success would fall into their laps will wish forever. But those who look at the world as it is, who recognize that the consumer is king, who take the trouble to find out what the consumer wants these men make fortunes, people will always reward them because people will not want to be without their services. If you never become a Rockefeller or a Carnegie, the degree of your own personal success will still depend upon how you use this secret of success, and the rest of this book will be devoted to showing you how to use it, how to make it work for you. We will develop techniques that can be used to find out what people want and how much they will pay for it. We'll see how you can be a salesman to sell products and services for a living, to sell yourself into a better job, or just to gain the cooperation of your family and friends by using this secret of success. And we'll see that there are no exceptions to this rule of success. It is 100% usable. If there are any possible exceptions that occur to you now, they will probably be covered before you reach the end of this book. It's your life. What are you going to do with it? Your future is truly in your hands. There is no one else to whom you can assign the responsibility. You will succeed or fail in accordance with how well you practice the secret of success. To make the most of your life, you must find out what people want and help them get it.